Well, God is good, amen? And all the time. Yes, He is. May we never forget it and may we be able to say it when all the circumstances plead the case for something different. He is good. Bless His name. Uh, I should, uh, my southern uh, senses would be, uh, my ancestors I think would come out of the grave and get me if the, I they didn't, uh, if I wasn't cordial as I should have been, I meant to announce this earlier, but it is so good to have Rod and Mary Thielander with us this morning, Pastor BJ's parents. We just welcome them as they're here with us today. I promised him I wouldn't call on him to pray. Most pastors, when they visit another church, they just kind of expect that they're probably going to put me in the service somewhere, somehow. So uh, I promised him I'd give him a break from that today, but we're thrilled to have them with us. And one other thing, tonight is uh, youth emphasis, so would you just plan to be back tonight and, uh, and uh, support and encourage our, our youth group as they share with you some of what God's been doing in their life over, over the past few weeks. And uh, you'll be blessed be, to hear that, uh, although the, the, you may hear things in our world that says, boy, this... Next generation. I'm amazed at how one generation finds it so easy to criticize the one coming after them. Oh, they're going to end the world. You know, uh, come tonight and be encouraged. Hear some good news. Be, see, see some young people who, who are seeking the Lord and searching after Him and, and believing Him to use them in this world. And you'll be better equipped to pray for them as well. So I just want to encourage you to be back tonight at 630 uh, to hear from our, our young people as they share. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to uh, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, and then once you've found Mark chapter 1, uh, this, this isn't in your note space there in your bulletin, but if you'd hold your place there in Mark chapter 1 and turn over to Exodus 14 as well. I once had a, a pastor who was a mentor of mine, he, uh, he liked to uh, catch, catch us young guys off guard and see if we were really living up to the call and really doing what we were supposed to do and staying on top of things. And, and uh, it was not uncommon at all for him to call on Monday morning and say, what text did you preach from? And tell me, the, 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 tell me about your message. I mean, he just, he wanted to know. He had a, and uh, uh, one time I was at his, uh, I was preaching at his church and uh, he leaned over to me and he said, uh, um, when did you finish preparing this sermon? And I knew it was a trap. I knew it. I knew what was coming. And I thought, I'm going to have a little fun with him. Which was not a good idea. You know, sometimes those impulses, you really ought to hold on to them. But, uh, uh, but I thought, I'm going to have a little fun with this guy. And I said, brother, I'm still making notes right now. And he kind of got bug-eyed. And... But it was actually the truth. Because uh, really, I have found... That uh, and maybe it's the Lord just wanting to test me, but uh, He seems to talk to me about the messages of and, and how it's going to go and flow right up to the last minute. I wish He'd get it in Monday or Tuesday and wrap it up. That would be so wonderful. Uh, it's just never really seemed to flow that way. So that's why we're going to look at Exodus chapter 14 as well. Uh, the title of the message this morning is God's Path Through Hard Places. How many of you have been in hard places before? How many of you have been in hard places and you weren't sure if there was a way to get out of that hard place? Yeah. I think most of us can, can relate. Uh, you just, what do you do now? Those feelings of where do, I, 
Where do I turn? What do I, what's next? How does, how does this turn out? How does God work this for his good and for my good and his glory? How, do, how does that happen? I want us to uh, look this morning, and I, I hope that when we're done, we'll be able to see uh, exactly how uh, God wants to show himself faithful and strong in our lives, but sometimes the path he chooses for us doesn't look at all like the path we were hoping for or expecting. It's, uh, it's all about being surrendered to his will and to his plan and trusting him as our Savior and our Lord. Amen? So if you have to leave, you've already got the, the point of the message, but I'd really hope you'd stay and let me unpack it just a little bit. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I, I never feel up to this task, and I'm grateful for that in so many ways because I know that in these moments you are able to take the feeble but the willing and use it to your glory. So, Father, would you... Uh, Open our hearts and minds. Speak to each one of us here. May your word be applied to our hearts exactly the way the Holy Spirit would like to do that. May we be obedient to it. And uh, help me, Lord, to be faithful to only say what I hear you saying, to only speak what I believe that you would have me to speak. And we will be all the better for it when we leave here in just a little while. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take a moment with me and in your mind, go back. Go back to a moment when uh, it seemed uh, pretty desperate. Go back to a moment where your heart was filled with despair. Maybe it was triggered by a phone call. Maybe it was triggered by bad news. Maybe it was triggered by an act of nature. Maybe it was triggered by the ebb and flow of life. Maybe it was triggered by a season of change. I, I'm, I'm reminded when we come to this, this time of the year that while, uh, while many rejoice with those young people transitioning from one step of life to another, there are some who actually experience some grief. Kids leaving home and stepping out into the unknown a little bit of, Lord, what's going to become of them? What's going to happen? What's this? And parents having to sever those strings a little bit and let them go and it can be difficult it can be tough we we tend to think of it all as celebration but it it isn't always what about uh, moments of temptation moments when you when you knew what the right thing to do was but there was something within you or the circumstances or maybe there was someone that friend that so-called friend that, that co-worker, that, that employer. And there was a temptation to do what you knew you shouldn't do. To go where you know you shouldn't go. Tough places. Hard places in life. What do you do? What decisions do you make? How do you, how do you find discernment? How do you find direction in your life for what needs to happen next? What is... God's will in those times. And I think there are at least two truths that can become very clear for us in moments like that. When we look back and we, get, and we give an honest impression of what those times were like, if we were seeking the heart of God, I believe that we could look back in those times, regardless of how we, how we responded, 
we could look back and see at least two things that were true. Number one, God was present in the form of the Holy Spirit all along. I love a song that I heard as a child. He, he was there all the time. He was there all the time, waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. I found that to be true. Whether I responded as I should or not, whether I obeyed as I should, whether I did what I, I ought to have done or not, I can look back in those hard places of life, and when I'm honest, I could acknowledge the truth was he was there all the time. I may not have done what I should have done. I may not have responded the way I should have responded, but he was faithful. He was there all the time. Maybe I couldn't see him in the moment, but as his grace has continued to abound in my life, I can look back on those times and see his presence. That's truth number one. Truth number two that I think becomes very clear by looking back at those Moments when, quite honestly, we, we, many of you were probably already saying, I really don't want to do that, Pastor. I really don't want to look back at that place of temptation. I really don't want to look back at that hard spot in my life. But here's another thing that I think becomes very clear about those moments. God was presenting a way forward, a path for us. And we either accepted it or we refused it. Now that's... That's just black and white, and I know we, it's not PC in these days. God was presenting a way. He was showing us, you, here's, here's an option for you. Here's what you could do. Maybe you found it very easy to just push it to the side. Maybe you wrestled with it for a long time. Maybe you hopefully said, yes, okay, God, I'll trust you with that. But, it, but the truth is he was presenting a path whether you accepted it or you refused it. God's path through hard places. Let's look at a, a couple of places where this works itself out in God's Word. Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. We'll begin at verse 19. Some of you will recognize this story. If you don't, lean in and, uh, and listen. Here's, here's the context. The people of God have been in bondage for some 430 years in Egypt. And God has heard their cry and is bringing them out. For those of you who are helping with Backyard Bible Club, this is one of the stories. So you get, a, you, you get uh, some help here maybe. Uh, but there, God is delivering his people and uh, they have... Uh, he has gone, they've gone through the ten plagues and Pharaoh's heart's been hardened. His son has died and finally there's this release of, of all these captives. Some, some the, the scholars that write the big books argue with exactly how many there were. Maybe on the order of a million, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower. But all of these people are leaving Egypt. That seems like a good thing. They want out from under the bondage and the oppression. And they, and they run into... An obstacle. Now it's it's interesting that uh, that that God chose this path for them. They could the, the Bible tells us that they could have gone another route. There was actually a shorter route out of the bondage of Egypt to where God was calling them to. But He took them on a different route. Look at verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew. 
and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness in one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. So they were confronted by this huge obstacle. They were in a hard place. We're, we, we need to go forward, but there's this, this obstacle of the Red Sea that we can't cross. We can't get through. And we have an army of, of Pharaoh's army bearing down on us. This, there's no way this ends good. We either drowned or we get slaughtered. Okay? They, they, they had analyzed the situation and knew where things were at. So Moses stretches out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. I love this. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Isn't it wonderful when your adversaries begin to recognize the Lord is fighting for them? We've picked the wrong battle. We've picked the wrong person to attack. The Lord himself is fighting for them. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward, toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses His servant. Praise the Lord. What a victory. What a victory. But as I was reading back through this story and as I've been going over it again and again, preparing for this uh, storytelling time with Backyard Bible Club, something dawned on me that I know I have never seen in this story before. I, th I, I think I had always imagined it. Um, how many of you watched Ten Commandments years ago? I know you're going to date yourself, but you know, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we're all sure that Mo, when we meet Moses in heaven, he's going to look like Charlton Heston, right? I mean, that's just the image that's burned in there. You just, you know that's what he's going to look like. No, I'm sure he won't. I'm sure he won't. But uh, uh, we, uh, I was reading through this story again, and I know that I had always imagined in my mind that the minute Moses stretches out his hands and those waters peel back, that it's just... Yeah, here we go. This is going to be great. This is awesome. You know what was actually going on? Towering walls of water standing on one side and the other. You don't think that would be terrifying? Here's your path. Just walk on through. 
just 90, 100 foot tall walls of water just holding themselves back apparently. Just, just walk up. It'll be fine. What could possibly go wrong? Here's your path. Not to mention, you got Pharaoh's army bearing down on you. And, if they, and, and they're, they're gaining on you. You're trying to move a whole, whole group of people. You're not moving soldiers. You know, trained soldiers move a whole lot faster than you and your family trying to get out of Dodge. Horses and chariots coming at you. I think in my mind I had just always imagined that the minute those waters peeled back, it was just glory. Woo, here we go. Here's the interesting thing. Though it was terrifying, though it was an army still pursuing them, it was God's path through a hard place. So it bears a question. When you're in a hard place and you're asking God to give you a way out, a path through a hard place, what kind of path are you expecting? Are you expecting a yellow brick road? Just follow the yellow brick road. Follow, follow, follow. I am. That's what I want. Lord, just sweep everything out of the way and pave me an interstate right down to where you want me to go. No tolls, nothing, no traffic in front of me. Just let me just pedal to the floor, wind in my hair, stop. It's what I want. <laughs> Not the hair part. I want the path. I want the path. I'm thankful I don't have to manage all this. You, those of you that do, God bless you. But I'm glad those days are over. Just wipe it and forget it. That's just it. <laughs> but what kind of path? <clears throat> what kind of path do we expect? I think too often we expect God just move everything out of the way and let me just float on a cloud right through this, what we find over and over again is that God absolutely has a path of deliverance for His people, but it is still a path that cries out to us that says, you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust me that though this path looks terrifying, that though this path looks like, God, pick another way, it's His path. It's His path. It's not noted here in Scripture, but I, I, I wish we could go back. I wonder, and I just have to imagine that Moses had some people protesting out of that group when, when the waters peeled back and Moses must have kind of said, there you go. He surely had a few of them saying, you go first. Lead us, brother. <laughs> surely he did. But they went. You know, I guess at some point they probably reasoned, Better take our chances in the sea than the army back here behind us. God's path through a hard place. The, notice this though. The spirit was present. God was present with them. They weren't facing this because God had abandoned them. God wasn't with them. The cloud, the pillar of fire. He was present. He was with them all the time. And he made a path for them. He made a way. A miraculous way out of a very hard place that was nothing but despair. That was nothing but, there's no way this ends good. He made a way, but it was still a way that had to be accepted. It had to be accepted. 
Turn over with me to Mark chapter 1. Let's look at one other time. This one is not quite as obvious, not quite as they're never going to make a movie out of this. Well, in a way, yes, I, I, they have in a way. But the way it de it's depicted here, it's just, it's just not quite as, as obvious here, but I, I think you'll be able to see it. Mark chapter 1. And I just want you to hear the way, the way it is in the Word. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Notice this. The Spirit is present here, too. Jesus has come into the world. The people of God are in a very hard place. It, it, it's not as cut and dry, so to speak, as a sea in front of you and an army behind you. It's the fulfillment of God's plan. It's the, it's the sin condition. You're in a hard place because if you die in a state of unrepentance, if you die in a state of not accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you, if you die without a way made from here to heaven, it's a hard place. It's a hard place. And we were caught up in a condition where our sin condemned us and we needed a Savior. We couldn't produce salvation in and of ourselves we couldn't clean ourselves up enough we couldn't we couldn't do good enough we couldn't fix every problem enough we couldn't say all the right words enough we couldn't do enough good deeds and pay enough tithes and give and do and work and all those things we couldn't do enough of that to ever make ourselves worthy of his righteousness and his holiness and his grace and his mercy we needed a savior and at just the right time in God's time, He sent a Savior whose name was Jesus. And He came into 
the world. And, and John the Baptist proclaimed him. And at his baptism, we hear those great words, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Bless his name. It was a hard place. But notice what happens even in the life of our Savior. God has a plan for his Son to come into the earth to proclaim truth and righteousness and freedom for the oppressed, release for the captives. But there's a path to take. And we see Jesus in his humanness agonizing over this path. It, 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 it must have tormented him at, at times. God, he must have communicated back to the Father. We know that he did in the Garden of Gethsemane, don't we? Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other path, if, this could be, if, if, if we could get through this, if we could accomplish the saving of these people in any other way, I'd prefer that. Because what I see is that your path leads to a cross. I, I, and then a very curious thing. Verse 12, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days. And he's being tempted. Why would God put his son, the Savior, through that? Why would that be part of the plan? Could it be, just maybe, that Jesus, our Savior, our example, was modeling for you and for me the experiences that every one of us would have throughout the ages? There is a path. There is a way to salvation, but it leads to a cross. It leads to a dying of self. It leads to a, a facing wilderness moments. It leads to times when there's going to be temptation, times when the path doesn't look like it's the most inviting thing in the world, but it is a way. It is a, it is a way out. Have you ever felt like things couldn't get any worse, and then they did? Anybody want to testify this morning? Lord, I was at my breaking point last week, and then all this happened. Here's a verse that we could correct. It gets misquoted a lot. Well, I'm thankful that the Lord says he won't put on us any more than he can bear. Wrong, wrong, and wrong again. You will absolutely be saddled with more than you can bear in this life. But you absolutely have a Savior who says, cast every care on me because I care for you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I promise you it'll be more than you can bear. But I promise you that you have a Savior who is standing ready to say, I can handle it. You don't have to and I don't want you to. And I'm just waiting for you. Give it to me. Give it to me. Cast every care upon me because I care for you. It's interesting in this passage that the word after is used several times here. After John was arrested, after John was put in prison, after all these things had taken place. Here's something we need to learn about hard places. God doesn't wear 
a watch. And he doesn't look at a calendar like you and I look at a calendar. God is the creator of time and space and all that there is. In the Greek, the word here is keros. It's God's timing. God's way. I got, I got to tell you that one of, the, one of the hardest struggles sometimes is understanding that I'm, I'm to be submitted and surrendered to His path and His plan and His purposes and His way for my life. Now, I, I will say this. As I have learned to embrace that over the years, I have come to understand that He's always up to more than I ever thought I could see or understand. He's always got more in the works than I ever thought was happening. It's very easy for me to just be narrow-minded and say, Lord, don't you just see right here where I'm at, right here what I'm going through? Would you just do something about this? And in my better moments, when I hear the heart of God, here's what he's saying. I am, but there's so much more. There's so much more. Don't box me in. Don't box me in to just, just your particular... I love you. I care about you. Parents, you understand this. You've talked to your kids this kind of thing in one time or another. I get it. I understand. That's a big deal for you. That's all you can see, right? There's so much more going on. Hang on. I love you. We're working on that. It's on the radar. We see that. But there's so much more. So much more going on. Would you? And, and, and as, as a parent, boy, how many times have you felt that? Just trust my heart for you. Just trust how much I love you. And I have your best in mind. The timing's not going to set too well with you. The method may not set too well with you. The, the path may not be exactly the one you, you wish I would chart for you. But would you trust my love for you? I know it's a hard place right now. I tell you, the hardest thing about parenting has been this. How many times my own words indict me. How many times I find myself saying something to my children and I hear another voice saying, how about you, buddy boy? You want to live that out before them? You want to walk that road, be that example? Has there been a time when you've been in a hard place and God was trying to make a way and trying to show you that way, but it didn't look like what you wanted? It didn't look like the best way or the smoothest way or the easiest way? Have you been guilty of refusing God's path, not because it wasn't there, but because it wasn't easy? G.K. Chesterton said quite a few years ago, holiness has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found hard and left untried. Holiness calls us to a dying out to our plans and our ways. There's a song that I've uh, kind of fallen in love with at Christmas time here over the last couple of years and it asks this question will you trade your dreams for his glory and I think almost always always in order to walk the path that God has through hard places that's required trade your dreams for his glory he'll replace your dreams with his plans and his purposes and you will see that it was better all along, it was better than any dream you ever dreamed up for yourself because it comes from the heart of God who loves you and loved you before the foundations of the world. 
Has there been a time that you refused the path of God? What about those after moments? How have you responded to those after moments? Jesus responded in obedience. After things looked like they were as bad as they could get, he, he just kept responding in obedience to the Father. I'm just going to stay the course. It's the pattern and the model that he sets for us. I'm just going to keep my eyes fixed on the Father and his plan. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to keep following him. What does it mean for you to stand in those after places and trust him? Maybe it's after the neighborhood has changed. It's not the same place anymore. Maybe it's after the missionaries have gotten kicked out and the country has turned against the message of the gospel. Maybe it's after the plant got shut down and employees lost their jobs. After the kingdoms of this world and your kingdoms and the things you have built up seem to be crumbling all around you, what do you do? The hard places in life. After John was put in prison, the Bible says Jesus came preaching because it was God's time. It surely must have looked like to all the disciples, this can't be happening. John's being thrown in prison. He had a purpose. And a, but Jesus came preaching. Here's, here's what we know to be true. God will not allow himself to be confined to the boundaries that we have drawn. God, you, you can do this, and I'll follow you if it works this way and it looks like that, and the path that you've laid out. I, I, really don't, I don't want the towering walls of water and the army chasing me. That's not the path. It's not what I'm looking for. I want the yellow brick road. Although there were some scary things on the yellow brick road in there. Think back on that story. But God is calling you and me in the middle of those hard places to say, trust me. Trust me. I love you. I have a, I have a plan and there, there is a path. So many times I've counseled with people who have given up. They've given up spiritually. They've, they've given up on a marriage. They've given up on children. They've given up on the hopes and the dreams and the plans and the purposes. And you can always draw it back. This has never failed. Pastor Rod, you may have seen this as well, I'm sure. You, you can always draw it back to some point in life where things got hard and what they really needed to do was trust the Lord that he was going to see them through. And instead, they said, that's enough. I just can't. And they made a decision to refuse his path because it was not easy. It looked hard. And it, and it cascaded down into everything else that happened. God the Son will not avoid associating with known sinners who submit themselves to the baptism of repentance. We see that in Jesus' life over and over again. We are called to do the same. Ministry is not easy if you're going out into the broken and the hurting of this world. It's a challenge. You get dirty. You get, you, you get down into the muck and the mire of the destruction of people's lives. It's, it's a challenge. You've got to know it's coming. You gotta be, it's, it's, a, it's a path. It's God's path for their life and for yours if he calls you to it. But it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. God's kingdom will not cower in fear when the kingdoms of this earth exert their most demonic powers. The message of the good news began when it was the right time and the time is still right for each and every one of us here today. Mark says, you see that time in history 
when Jesus had not yet begun his earthly ministry, he's being drawn out into the wilderness, tempted and tried. John's been thrown in prison. Well, that looks like a breaking point. It looks like it could have been a great thing, but it just seems like everything's crumbled all around us. God was unfolding his, plat, his path and plan for the salvation of the world. So, I don't know what expectations you might have had for those of you who had the heads up that the message this morning was going to be God's path through hard places. I imagine a few of you probably came in here and said, I really want to hear this because I want to find that interstate that just takes me smooth sailing right out of this one hard place to a better place. But that wouldn't be the truth. And you know it. The truth is this. God absolutely has a path through hard places for you and me. Where there seems to be no way, He will make a way. Streams in the desert, mountains made low. He can do anything and everything He wants to do, but He has His timing. And it, the path that He chooses for us will always call us to trust Him. Will always call us to say, shut those mortal eyes and open your eyes of faith. And let me lead you into the promised land. Folks, He's prepared a place for us. He's calling us home. And if you can't feel it, if you can't sense it, you need to seek His heart. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. I hope that you will trust His plan. Would you stand with me this morning? Have you looked back and seen where God made a path through a hard place? It was there, but you refused it. Are you currently standing in one of those places where it's, God, what do I do now? After. It's, it's that after moment. It's, the circumstances don't look like how I wanted them to work out. And you're seeking. What's, what's the path? God, I, I, I can't see it right now. I, we, need, we need a way through this hard place. Wherever you are, if, if, if you've refused His path because it was hard, then you just need to repent and trust Him. You just need to tell Him, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I wanted the easy way out. I, I, I wasn't willing to accept that you had, you had a good path for me to go on where I could grow and I could trust you and I could learn to be more like you and I could understand your, your ways and your plans for my life better than I ever did before. But that was, that was difficult, so I, didn't, I refused it. Maybe you've got a moment somewhere back there on the timeline and you just need to settle that this morning. You just need to take care of that this morning. You ought to come and pray. Maybe you're at a point right now where you, you need a path. You see the sea in front of you. You see the army behind you. You see sin in your life that needs to be... You need a, you need a path. Well, if you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, God will make a path. Just pray and ask Him to give you the eyes of faith to see and the courage to walk through it. If it's, if it's an issue of sin, then you need to repent and you need to accept the saving grace of Jesus Christ in your life this morning. I'd like for Matt, wherever he might be, to come and, and, uh, and we're going to uh, sing this morning before we go. But if you need to come and pray, would you just do that right now? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to pray a, a brief prayer. And if you need to, to deal with the Lord this morning and trust Him for those hard places of life, would you just do that this morning? Father, uh, you've been talking to our hearts this morning.
And you've certainly been dealing with me over the past week with this message, and I pray that you've, uh, you've helped me to communicate it clearly. Help us, Lord, to see that we can trust you. You're not absent from our lives, even though it may feel like it at times. You're always present, and you're always making a way. Too many times, Lord, though we, we're, we're not willing to put our hand in your hand and trust you because the path isn't, isn't as smooth and as clear as we had hoped for or as we had, had thought we deserved or wanted. Help us, oh God, to trust you, to trust your timing, to trust the path that you have laid out before us, to seek you with all of our hearts. Lord, it's, it's easy to, to waver between opinions. May we not, may we be a people this morning who our faith rises up to say, God has made a way, He has done it in the past, and He will do it again. Bless His name. We can trust Him. He's faithful. Doesn't matter what the circumstances may look like, though an army be encamped around me, my trust and my hope and my faith is in the Lord, and He will deliver. No weapon formed against us will prosper. We are the people of God. And you are leading us out of the wilderness into the promised land. And help us, Lord, to journey by faith with you today. Help us to trust you and to keep our eyes fixed on you. As we sing this song, that you are our hope, that Jesus is our hope, may we sing it with courage and with faith and with trust and go out of here today ready to face whatever the next hard place might be, or, and knowing that you have a path, you have a plan, you have a purpose for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing. Let's sing together as Matt leads us. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope, who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. And hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. 
Jesus Christ, my living hope. And hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. And you have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Father, you are our living hope today. May we walk in that hope. May we share it with others around us as we go from this place today. As we return tonight, Lord, to hear how you are living in our young people. May we rejoice with them and encourage them. And throughout this day, may we be thankful for you are good. In the hard places, you are good. On the mountaintop, you are good. We love you. We praise you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you as you go today.